Hello, you're listening to an SSFD Network podcast from the School of Social and Family Dynamics at Arizona State University. Hi, welcome to another podcast of the Stanford School. Today, I'd like to say that I have um, a very special guest on, and the focus of our conversation today is going to be loneliness. However, I want to introduce Kate Walter. She is um, an author, and she writes for various uh, papers and article magazines. Anyway, she does a lot of writing, and uh, I'm glad to know her. But in true transparency, I have known her since she was writing for second grade. And uh, and she was a creative writer then also. So she uh, didn't go far from her talents. Anyway, uh, Kate wrote a book, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, and it's called Behind the Mask, and I see I'm going to put it down. It's got a glare on it, and I'm sorry. That's just the way the lighting is for the podcast. Oh, she's got it, and you can see it even better. And so anyway, so Kate, welcome to Arizona State University, and we are very pleased to have you with us. And uh, we know that you are an East Coaster and you have taught high school and taught in the community college and taught at NYU. So we are very pleased to have you as our guest. Thank you, Jen. What I'd like to talk about today with you a little bit as we start with loneliness is you were, you know, in New York City. When we think of New York City, we think of the city that never sleeps. And we also now think of New York City in the beginning of the pandemic when uh, all of us were watching and no one knew exactly what was going on. And of course, sitting in Arizona, it seems so far remote to us. And here you were in the middle of all of this, entering a time that it was going to change all of us. So can you just give a, a, a little bit of what your life was and then what your life changed to? I was having a great life. I was single, living in a, a wonderful neighborhood, the West Village. I was enjoying New York, you know, going to museums, concerts, plays, had a lot of friends went to lunch. I was just living the New York life and having a wonderful time. And then all of a sudden, within uh, the course of a few weeks, it just shut down. It was like everything shut down. The theaters shut down. The libraries shut down. The museums shut down. The restaurants shut down. So the city that never sleeps went to sleep. And I went to a meeting in my community room when we were preparing for this. And uh, someone on our board of directors said, Cuomo is going to shut the city down. And I was like, no, that can't be. But that's what happened, as you know. To explain a little bit for uh, the people that will be watching this podcast, West Beth is a historic building and it's filled with artists. I mean, yes. can you imagine getting up every morning and know that you have a famous painter or sculptor or author around that you're just going to run into in the um, elevator. Anyway, uh, Kate, could you share with us a little bit about West Beth? Because it's fascinating. 
Yes, I'm very fortunate. I live in this place called West Beth Artist Housing. It opened um, a little over 50 years ago, and we were just poised to celebrate the 50th anniversary when we went into lockdown. Um, the building is over 100 years old. It was originally the home of Bell Laboratories and Western Electric. So prior to it housing all these artists, it housed all these inventors and scientists. So the building has always had this creative history. And then when Bell Labs uh, moved out to New Jersey, I think it became Lucid Technology, the building was converted into housing for artists. It's it's on, I believe it's on the historic registry. It's definitely on the historic registry in New York City, maybe nationally too. It's, it's just amazing to think. So you have not only New York and everything New York has to offer, you've got this building and all of a sudden now you have your apartment. Your apartment is your best friend. <laughs> yes, I mean, I have, we had a community, we have, it's open again. We have a community room where I was part of a singing group and an acting group and the community room shut down for over a year. We have a gallery where we had openings that shut down for over a year. So it was like my, my little world in West Fest shut down and then my big world in New York City shut down. So it was very lonely just being in the apartment and going out for walks and going grocery shopping. And that was pretty much it. I know. I think that we all identify with this grocery shopping. You know, it's the big day out, except that you wore your mask, your gloves. You all wore your COVID clothes so that that we uh, didn't mix it with anything else. So I think I think all of us probably have had that experience, but you had it when no one really knew. I mean, you really were in the, the realm of the unknown and that's frightening. And so we in Arizona had the, um, the experience coming to us. So at least we knew what was headed our way. It wasn't really a surprise unless you chose not to pay attention to what was going on, of course. What I'd like you to do, because the book that, Kate Rowe is a memoir, and it, it really talks about the whole experience, and uh, and it's it's amazing, uh, and it really for me it made me get into side of what New York was like. But then what happened was I went, oh, I felt that, oh, 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 yeah, that, that was me, yeah. And so you could see the tenants coming together on loneliness. And Kate has a very powerful uh, paragraph in her book that I asked her to read. And just a little bit of a spoiler alert, this is what I wanted. So to lead us to our discussion of loneliness, but you can feel the intensity of it. And Kate will explain her meltdown. <laughs> well, there were a lot of meltdowns. Um, this particular chapter takes place in May, 2020, when we were really in the thick of the lockdown and uh, another part of my book I talk about, I belong to this church in New York City, and of course that was uh, closed down and we were online. So um, I would look forward to going to the services online, and that would be something that would be something I look forward to, but one day it became part of my meltdown. So here we go. My worst meltdown occurred on a Sunday morning. It caught me off guard. I look forward to watching church online. It gave me comfort and connection. On the last Sunday in April, the usual music came on before the actual service. 
As I heard the familiar song, You're Welcome in This Place, I burst out crying and started sobbing hysterically. I put my head down on my desk and sobbed. I could not stop. I was crying for my lost life, which had been very good. I was crying because I have no idea how long this will go on and when I will be able to see my family and friends again. You know, I think the reason I found that so powerful, and you did a beautiful reading, so thank you. Uh, it's very exciting when you get the author to read their book, uh, is the fact that everyone had a moment. And I think that we all want to be strong and we all don't want to let people inside of what we're feeling. And when I read that in your book, and now it's more powerful because you read it, I really sat and paused and thought, wow, this is exactly how I felt. Didn't have a meltdown although came close. But when, when I read it, I thought that's exactly how not only I felt, but so many people felt. Everybody on their own journey during this had a moment. And, uh, and sometimes we had someone to share. But what if we didn't have anyone to share with. And that's what I wanna sort of explore uh, now, because loneliness is something everyone has had an experience with. Sometimes it's short-lived, sometimes it's very long, sometimes that really defines their life. But um, what I wanna do is, is I wanna ask you, Kate, Self-care is very important because the loneliness can creep inside of you. And you said you had several meltdowns. So what did you do to uh, combat that, to, to try to uh, take this lonely feeling and start to retool your life, basically, reframe it? Well, I really got into routines. Um, for example, um, as you mentioned, we're friends. We talked on the phone every Saturday, I guess it was. And I look forward to that. And I also had my yoga classes. I had my Qigong classes and I had my writing workshop. Um, some of this had been in person and now it was on Zoom. So it was like my whole life became a series of classes and workshops on Zoom. So it would be like, Tuesday, I would have this class. Wednesday, I would have this class. Um, it was very helpful. And I, you know, I got to kind of talk to the people in the classes a little bit, too. Some of them I knew before the lockdown. Others I didn't. So, I mean, having a structure really helped. I mean, I had my schedule. This class, this class, this class. And then I went for walks outside. So having structure was my main thing. And, and having a spiritual life, I mean, calling upon... Um, the resources from my spiritual community, my church, my yoga community, that was all really helpful. So you, you know, you obviously took control. Um, yes, we did talk on the phone every Saturday um, and we had a good time because we were able to go down memory lane, uh, which is fun. Um, but one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that you really called in on your inner resources, because I know we had conversations 
about that. And you alluded to that just a few minutes ago when you talked about your spiritual life and your yoga. And so you really worked with your loneliness. And I, I think that that is something that we can really, if you would share a little bit of how you worked with that through your spiritual, through your yoga and everything, I think it might help our listeners to maybe get some ideas of where they want to draw from, perhaps not from a spiritual life, but someplace else, you know, whatever it is, just, you know, maybe running, but whatever. So how did you decide and how did you do that? Well, I was lucky in that I had most of these things in place already. I was already in a writing workshop, that written person. Now it went online. I was already in a yoga class, that written person. Then it went online. Same with the church. So a lot of this I already had in place. I was a member of a church. I took yoga. I took Qigong. I was in a writing workshop. I was in a singing workshop. All of this went on to Zoom. Okay, singing does not work on Zoom, I have to say. That was the only one that was not worthwhile. But still, it was fun just to see each other and say hello once a week. So I would say thank God for technology. And I had all this in place. And Back to meltdowns, one of the other meltdowns I had that was terrible was one day my internet crashed and I, I was like shaking practically because this was completely my lifeline. And it was just one of those things where all you had to do was unplug everything and plug everything back in. But I mean, I was like praying, oh, please let this work. Cause I thought if I don't have the internet, I would go crazy. So a lot of it was using technology, and replacing the forms instead of going to church inside a church, I did it online. So, you know, I think that that was a good point that you had with <clears throat> if your internet went down because so many individuals did not have that. Uh, you know, you take for granted when you have something and you don't realize. So we had individuals that did not have um, the opportunity mm -hmm. to connect. And we all want that sense of belonging. I mean, it's, it's a <coughs> nature to want to belong. And so we're searching. So I think when we look at loneliness, um, we have to consider uh, people that aren't able to connect for whatever reason, it could be a chronic illness and they haven't been able to leave their home. Um, we have uh, people that sometimes you can live with people and still be lonely. And uh, because you don't have a, a relationship or a connectiveness. So um, I think that one of the things that you have really shown in your book is the humanity of it. That's one of the uh, things I, I really saw as a thread that you carried through as all of the different chapters and you put in different individuals that have helped shape your life. And uh, I think that you, you, you showed humanity. And I think that's the key when we're talking about loneliness is that we are able to connect with something that we understand, although experience it differently. So now I'm going to ask you, what prompted you to write this book? Well, what happened was I was writing essays for a local website called The Village Sun. 
And it started in March 2020. And the first essay was Westbeth is a ghost town. Because it had gone from being this lively community to a ghost town where people were just walking around with masks and everything was closed. So I started publishing these essays. And writing, writing was really my salvation. Writing about this, publishing these essays kept me sane, kept me going. Um, it was really helpful to me um, psychologically. And then I was writing these essays for several months from like March to December. And one of my colleagues said, Kate, I think you're writing a book. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a book. And then I pitched it to my publisher who had published my other book. And she said, I like this idea. Keep going. And then she gave me a deadline. And then the book goes from March 2020 to June 2021, sort of when New York is really coming out of the, the, the deep lockdown. And so, well, it's it's interesting because it came from your personal experiences, your essays, and then it came into a book and a book that, you know, is really spot on with what people experienced. It was obviously your experience, but loneliness. And one of the things that I, I feel really strongly about when we talk about, obviously I teach a class on personal relationships. So, you know, obviously loneliness is a subject we talk about. And I find it interesting how loneliness is defined by my various students. And it's not necessarily age specific, which I was sort of surprised about. It has more to do with the environmental experience that a person feels and how they perceive what's going on. Obviously, I think if it were a young child and they were lonely, I think that might have more to do with uh, not having playmates unless we're looking at mental health issues. But um, but in the, the people that are, are starting to have social outlets, it seems that whether they're my 20-year-olds or my 80-year-olds in class, that even though it's different social outlets, the same uh, experiences that they feel a loss and a grieving that goes with any time they're feeling lonely. And some people handle it all right, like they reframe like you did. Um, but, but some of the individuals really don't know how to approach it. And so um, if you were sitting having coffee with me and you were giving advice to me about um, some things, you know, you said you had some things in place already, but what else would you suggest to someone that was feeling lonely? Well, I read a lot. And it's funny because some people said they couldn't read during the pandemic. I read a lot. Okay. Um, I think at one point the library was completely closed. So I guess I was ordering books online at that point. Um, reading, um, oh, I taught myself how to play the harmonica. I mean, I picked up a new hobby, things like that. That's what I would do. I mean, that's me. I don't know what someone else. Right, right. It's So it's reaching out to something that brings you joy. Exactly. And if 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 I remembered you played the harmonica, I would have asked you to play it. So consider yourself lucky. 
<laughs> and so, oh no. I'm not going to play it now. <laughs> but, you know, but I know you love music. So there's no doubt in my mind that you played a lot of music, not to mention you. No, and I listened to a lot of music. Too. Yeah. I, I mean, but music is very emotionally uh, satisfying to individuals and it's something. One of the things that when we look at loneliness though, um, and we talk about, or at least this is what my students have brought to me, is that they feel devalued, that they feel like no one really wants to be part of their life or be their friend basically. And um, I think some of that is a struggle with individuals. And it probably goes back to those basic fundamental things of building relationships of, you know, feeling that you can disclose something to someone and it's not going to come back to haunt you or that you trust that individual to handle whatever you say gently and not, you know, come back with it. So I think that um, when we talk about the depth of loneliness, I think we we started in a good place with looking at um, how it enveloped everyone in New York immediately. It wasn't like, you know, Kate Walter was not isolated in her apartment. She had lots of individuals isolated in their apartment. But I think that's looking at it on a greater scale. We're looking at it as an individual. It's really how you are perceiving your loneliness. Okay. I live in a big building with a lot of people. As I mentioned, it's full of artists. Most of us know each other. And we would always like congregate in the lobby and talk and talk on the elevator. And we received a notice from management that could be one person in an elevator at a time. And that don't check your mail every day, go down two or three times a week, don't congregate in the lobby. Now to me, that was like devastating. And it was shocking and horrifying. And then eventually it was, you could have two people in the elevator. So now we're back to, you know, you can have as many people as you want and you can congregate in the lobby. But to me, I mean, this was part of the ghost town that, you know, our whole socializing in the building was taken away. Right. So basically you lost a community. People here are single and live alone. And, you know, that's a big part of our lives is like chatting in the elevator. I mean, this may not seem like a big deal to people who live in suburbia, but uh, chatting in the lobby. And the other thing I did want to say was we have a remarkable staff here of people and we did give them a big uh, ceremony and a big bonus at the end of this. And they were incredible because sometimes the only person I would talk to would be one of the janitors or one of the security guards. And they would say, hey, Katie, how are you doing? And I mean, that stuff meant so much to me, even more than you can imagine, just having them greet me friendly behind their masks. Well, I think that that's just absolutely true, that the little things made such a difference. Um, I know I probably chatted with some people that I didn't even know. <laughs> it was just somebody to chat to. And so, but I think that one of the things that is we're starting to conclude this is that um, 
I don't, I want people to understand that there's nothing shameful in feeling lonely. And yes, try to tackle it, you know, try to see what you have in your little toolbox to bring out. But if you're really having difficulty and you're extremely lonely, then, you know, reach out and and ask for help. I think that we are, um, we need to get rid of that stigma of mental health because everyone has a moment and everyone um, has uh, some opportunity to have meltdowns and some meltdowns turn into anxiety and anxiety can sometimes make us not function. And as humans, we really need to celebrate one another. And I think that's, again, one of the things that I liked about the foundation of your book, by opening up and sharing so um, wonderfully the good, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak, is the fact that um, you're saying, hey, I'm human. And uh, I share this with all of you, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that I had a meltdown and that um, I, I think that that is one of the, the best things that uh, anyone can do is to show that you understand and that it's not a, a, a weakness to want to have someone help you out. So. Um, Kate, I am just going to let you say a few words, and then uh, we're probably going to end. And I'll, I'll again give the full name of your book. Since well, all you could see was glaring. <laughs> this is what I do as a writer, as someone who writes memoir and essay and creative nonfiction. I bear my feelings. I mean, that's. Can you hear me? Yes, that's my art form. Okay, so. It's not surprising that if I'm going through this traumatic experience, I'm going to try and write about it and hopefully make it into art. I also wanted to add that I do have a therapist. Again, she was someone who was in place before. So I guess I was one of the lucky people who I felt like I had a big support system in place. It changed form. You know, it wasn't in person anymore, but it was still there. And now most of it is back in person. And as I said, I live in a great building. So these are all factors that help me. And the other thing, one last thing I wanted to say was like, for some reason, and you know my mother, Jen, I thought about my mother during this and I thought she was such a resilient, strong person. And what would she do during this? She wouldn't let this get her down. She would, you know, get through it. And I called upon that strength that I felt I got from my mother too. Yeah, well, I can attest to the fact that Kate did have a very strong Irish mother. <laughs> And uh, I was the recipient of some of the uh, phases of, of uh, her strongness, like when we talked on the phone too long. <laughs> you could always hear your mom's voice in the background, get off the phone. <laughs> yeah, we, we went on a lot when we were teenagers talking we on the were, phone. We were, as lot. all teenagers, but we had to share the phone and that made a difference. Right. So One phone line. I do want to do is I want to make sure that everyone thinks about 
their own experiences, your own journey of things that have made you feel lonely. Think about what you have as your strategies um, and, you know, embrace your strategies. And if you feel that you need to talk it over with someone, do it. Don't feel that you don't. And anyone who's interested about to read Kate's meltdowns, all of them, she has the uh, book behind the mask and it's the uh, living alone in the epicenter. And it's really, as I said, it's very enjoyable. It's an easy read. And if you're snowed in one day, it might be fun to do because you're feeling lonely and maybe you want to see, you know, what, what Kate had to say. Well, I really appreciate your being willing to be my guest, Kate. Um, I feel honored that um, I was able to get an author for us. Yay! <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, all of this information with us. I'm sure it will be important to, uh, and perhaps necessary for someone who listens to the podcast. Thank you, Jen. And I, I do hope that my book resonates with people outside of New York, which I think it does, because it's about universal themes. It is. It's what we all went through. It's just that I happen to be in, in the epicenter. And as you said, maybe we had it first, but we all went through this. We did all go through, but um, you were our, our forerunners, so to speak, through, thankfully, from New York, we sort of knew what to do ahead of time. Right. So thanks, Kate. Thank you, Jen. I look forward to seeing this. Okay. Bye. Bye. Here at the School of Social and Family Dynamics, we recognize that the land where we host this podcast at Arizona State University belongs to the Maricopa and Pima peoples. Connect with us and get access to all of our podcasts by visiting the sanfordschool.asu.edu slash podcast, where you will also find links to all of our social media channels.